Well, if you did not keep your place, let me ask you to take your Bible and turn to Luke chapter 1. Not, we're not beginning a new series in Luke. I uh, just want to look at this here today. Turn to Luke chapter 1. In just a minute, I want to read with you, beginning in verse 26. That was Pastor James who just led us in prayer, one of our elders. We have four of those. Appreciate Aaron reading the scripture for us this morning. Again, it's great to be together. We come now under the word, under the word of God. Let's pray again. Please do join me in prayer. Our Father, we pray that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Teach us to pray daily for our food and our greatest need, our greatest need for nourishment is your word. So Lord, help us. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We pray, oh God, the Holy Spirit, for your ministry through the word now, for the exaltation of Jesus Christ. Let it be plain. Let it be clear. Let it come with your power. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, just one second. I want to read beginning in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. But think about this passage. Don't turn there, but just, just hear this. Hear this this morning from Daniel chapter 7, verse 14. Daniel 7, 14 says, And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, let me say that again. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. That was Daniel 7.14. Now look at Luke one twenty six. Give attention to the word of the Lord. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Galilee and Nazareth. For me, that would be like Gaston County, Bessemer City, Cherival, these look-down-upon places. Verse 27, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she, Luke one twenty nine, was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Now, glance back seven or eight verses with me. Go to 123. Doing this on purpose here. Look at verse 23. And when his, that is Zechariah, when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. And after these days, his wife, again, that's Zechariah, his wife Elizabeth conceived 
And for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. By the way, you may or may not remember that uh, uh, three or four months ago, our good brother from Rocky Mount, Justin Nail, preached on this passage. And what a blessing it was to us as he shared his testimony and also mainly opened the word of God here from this passage, which is a great reminder that these types of passages are indeed year-round. Now, let me ask you a question, of course, not to be answered out loud. Very important. John Deere or Kubota? Now, the title of the sermon this morning is in all caps, all caps, G period, O period, A period, T period, GOAT. And many of you know, when I say that, that we're not talking about the animal. Many of you know, when we say the GOAT, all caps, periods, acronym, that we're talking about what? We're talking about the greatest of all time, right? The greatest of all time. Well, probably no more, uh, you know, whether you're a sports fan or not, probably nothing has crystallized the GOAT debate more in our day than who's the greatest of all time in the NBA in basketball. So, again, even if you're not a sports fan, you may know that the debate rages between who is the GOAT. Is it MJ or is it LeBron? Is it Jordan or is it LeBron? Well, as far as NBA championships, LeBron has four and Jordan has six. As far as NBA seasons, LeBron has 19 and Michael Jordan from, from Wilmington, North Carolina, has 15. As far as playoffs played, LeBron has 15 and MJ has 13. As far as all-star games, LeBron has 17 and MJ has 14. And so the debate goes. Who's the GOAT? Who's the greatest of all time? Well, maybe you're not athletically or sports inclined, but maybe music is your thing, and so you could say, who is the GOAT? Is it Beethoven or is it Mozart? Beethoven or Mozart, and one man says this. He says, why is Beethoven considered better than Mozart? Beethoven has a much more fiery personality. Whereas Mozart's music is clean and precise, Beethoven employs many surprises in his music, this man says. The development sections are massive, and even in his earlier sonatas, they would go much further than in a Mozart sonata. The goat, who is the greatest of all time. Well, we, we don't just think about music in our day, which, of course, uh, Beethoven and Mozart is not exactly our day. One man said to that debate, he said, well, those guys would be second and third. Bach would be first, one man said. Well, it's not just in our current day talking about who's the GOAT uh, in the NBA, which is not even a league that, that that's even that old. But we could go back to the Bible itself, to the New Testament. We could go back to the book that we're in this morning, not the passage that we're looking at, but the book that we're in. And we even see the disciples, you remember the story perhaps, Debating among themselves as to what? As to who was the greatest. You know that story? What did Jesus say? He said, the least among you will be the greatest. Behold, I am among you as a servant. 
So this is not a new thing, although the acronym probably is new. The modern phenomena of the goat, but we see it even among the disciples. Who is the greatest? How silly. How foolish. Well, this morning we want to think about that. We want to think about this idea of the goat. Two headings this morning. Two headings. The second heading is the goat. But first of all, first heading, let me ask you to consider, consider with me Luke 1, 26 through 38. Heading number one, first of all, consider with me Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. And as we look at this, what do we see? We see the example, listen to me, we see the example of Mary and the salvation of Jesus. Joshua, Joshua. We see the example of Mary and the salvation of Jesus, who, by the way, his name derives from the Old Testament name Joshua. Because in that name, friends, in that name, no less in the second day of 2022 than 2,000 years ago, there is salvation in that name. And there is salvation in no other name, but there is salvation in that name, in that name of Yeshua, in that name of Joshua, in the name of Jesus. He will be called Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. He will save his people from their sins, Matthew 1.21. And so under that first heading, under that heading of the example of Mary and the salvation of Jesus, look with me at verses 26 through 38. Luke 1, 26 through 38. In the sixth month, it says, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Luke 1, 28. And he came and said to her, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Which is to say, verse 28, Mary was what? She was chosen. She was chosen. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Can I just stop right there in the middle of verse 30 and ask you to consider those words? Not, not only in isolation. We always look at the context, but just, to, just for a moment, to isolate those words, just for a moment in verse 30, where the angel says to Mary, what does he say to her there? It's something that you actually see so many times in Scripture. Do not be afraid. I want you to think about that here at the head of the year. Do not be afraid my brother and sister in Christ. Do you know that you actually have plenty of things to be afraid of this new year? I don't stand up here and say, don't be afraid because there's nothing to fear except for fear itself. Well, that's good. And that, that saying has its, has its meaning in one sense, but you, you actually have things for which to be afraid. In this world in which we live, let me just be honest, in case, in case you're not being honest with yourself. In this world in which you live, there are things that would legitimately cause you to fear. 
But the good news of the gospel is, the good news of the gospel for believers, for his people, they will call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. If you are in Christ, if you are, in, if you are like Mary, chosen, if you are like Mary, shown grace, not according to your works, but according to grace, then the word to us also at the beginning of this new year is, middle of verse 30, do not be afraid. I get afraid. I get fearful. I am a bit of a anxious person. That's why I love the Bible, because the Bible says, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. You know, the Bible doesn't say, if you're afraid, shame on you. No, the Bible comes, and God stoops down to us, as it were, and he says to us, and he gives us that ability to say from his word, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. When I, because it's not if I am afraid, there's plenty of things in this new year to make you afraid. Plenty of things for which you should be nervous or anxious. And yet the scripture says, be anxious for nothing. Rejoice, my friend, give thanks. Well, you know, this is not like our day, is it? As we look at this story, and let me just remind you again, this is not just a Christmas story. This is not like our day because in our day, you have an engagement. And uh, in, in some cases, it'd be, it'd be better to, to break that off. But in this case, although today, if you go into an engagement, you should go into the engagement with the intention of, of keeping the engagement. You shouldn't enter into an engagement lightly. But in this day and time, as we look at this, verse 27, this virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, you might know that this was different. This betrothal, this engagement could only be dissolved by divorce. You see? This could only be dissolved. Even though they weren't married yet, they were engaged, they were betrothed, and it had to be basically the grounds of adultery. It had to be the grounds of adultery, and it would lead to a divorce even though they were not yet married. Going back a verse in verse 26, it says, In the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God, in the sixth month of what? Well, the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Because if you're not a Christian here this morning, we're glad that you're here and you need to know that the whole Bible is supernatural. And so we don't believe in foolish things at all, but we believe it when it says Gabriel was sent from God. This doesn't cause us to stumble. The miraculous doesn't cause us to stumble because it's God. And is there anything too supernatural for God, my friend? I ask you in this new year, in the year 2022, is there anything too supernatural for God? Well, the angel comes to Mary and he gives her this greeting. He says, do not be afraid. And says in verse 31, look there with me. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. Verse 34, Mary is not being disrespectful. She's not questioning in a bad way. She says, how will this be since I'm a virgin? You, you know what that means. She says, I've, I've never known a man. How is this going to happen? Verse 35, and the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High 
will overshadow you. There is a holy reverence here. The angel doesn't get into nitty-gritty specifics about exactly how this is going to happen, but it will happen, and it will happen by the power of God. Verse 36, and behold, let me give you some encouragement because God is the God of all encouragement and the Bible was given for our encouragement and the Old Testament in particular has come to us, to us, even upon us, upon whom the end of the ages has come and all of the Old Testament is given for your encouragement, Christian, through Jesus Christ. And he says, let me give you some Old Testament encouragement. Your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. Notice verse 37. For nothing will be impossible with God. I suppose you could have made that the first heading. You can change it if you want. For nothing will be impossible with God. We've said that the first heading, Luke 1, 26 through 38, is the example of Mary and the salvation of Jesus. Nothing will be impossible with God. Let me, let me just read to you something I jotted down here. If I can find it. Think about verse 37. Think about that. Nothing will be impossible with God. That statement alone is worthy of our memorizing, of our isolating, of our taking it in context, of our taking it to the bank. Nothing will be impossible with God. Do you know that? Do you know that as we enter a new year? Nothing will be impossible with God. Having a child in very, very old age, listen, is impossible. But not with God. Conceiving a child as an unmarried virgin is impossible. But not with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing. Nothing pertaining to you, to your life, to our church, assuming that it is in his will, assuming that it's in his will, nothing will be impossible with God. If it be his will that an old lady conceive and have a child, then it will be so. If it be his will that a virgin conceive, then it will be so. If it be his will in this new year that this church prosper and or that this church prosper in adversity, then it will be so. Because, because what? Because, verse 37, nothing will be impossible for God. Do you know where verse 37 comes from? Does anybody know? Don't say it out loud. You're a great Bible scholar if you do. Do you know where verse 37 comes from, this wonderful statement? It comes from Genesis 18, 14. You don't have to turn there, but just know that. Genesis 18, 14. What's that? You don't have to turn there. I will for just a second. That is post-menopausal menopausal Sarah. That's Sarah conceiving Isaac, right? So Genesis 18, 13, listen to this. The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord or you may have heard it, is anything too wonderful for the Lord? Literally, is anything too supernatural for the Lord? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Is there? Do you know that? 
This verse refers to Genesis 18, 14, post-menopausal Sarah as she conceived Isaac. Nothing's too hard. Why do you laugh? Why is Sarah laughing? I wasn't laughing. And then God says in that same passage, yes, you were. It's so funny. He said, yeah, you were. Notice the example of Mary back in Luke chapter 1, verse 38. Luke 1, 38, and Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Well, there's so much just there in verses 37 and 38. There's so much there. Just very quickly, I mean, just this, this year. Again, we could say, we could say in 2022, with Mary as our example, let it be to me according to your word. Mary had a direct angelic word of special revelation to her. So we do not have a word of special revelation from an angel. But friends, we do have a word of special revelation. You know, we have general revelation. You know what general revelation is? We've had this crazy unseasonable weather where in, uh, in winter we've been able to be outside and my neighbor was washing his car yesterday and people were playing golf and doing all kinds of things. But of course, it's North Carolina. But all of this. All of this is crazy. It's, un, it's unseasonable. We see here in verse 38 again, she says, let it be to me according to your word. This is what we can say. As I was just mentioning, we don't have this word of special revelation from an angel, but we do have special revelation. God's revealed himself. God reveals himself in nature in these warm days. God reveals himself supremely in Jesus Christ and in the scriptures that testify to Jesus Christ. And so it would be a good place to say now is the time. Uh, you, you don't, you're not a, a better Christian if you, if you do a Bible reading plan every single day or if you do just the right Bible reading plan every single day. But now is the time, right? There's nothing wrong with saying talking about spiritual disciplines, now is the time. If she's saying, let it be to me according to your word, and if she is an example to us that we also should say, let it be to me according to your word, then we need to know the word. We need to grow in the word. This new year, we need to grow in the word resolved, right? Resolved by the grace of God, I will use all means available to me to grow in the word that I might know God. There's more here than just Mary as example, but don't see anything less either. Say with her this new year, Lord, Lord, this year, let it be to me according to your word. Say with her this new year, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. I am the bondservants. I am a slave of Jesus Christ. I am your slave, Lord. Lead me. Have your way in me. That's scary. Yeah, it is scary. God is a good father. Heading number two. I told you there were two. And the second one is the goat. The goat. Heading number one, we considered... Luke 1, 26 through 38. The example of Mary and the salvation of 
Jesus. Can I summarize under this second heading, the goats, the greatest of all time, can I summarize what we see, what we saw there in verses 26 through 38? Trek with me on this very quick summary. What did we see there? Here's what we saw. Jesus was born to a godly woman who apart from divine intervention was unable to bear children. We saw that his birth was announced by an awesome angel. Gabriel, the angel, said to not be afraid. Gabriel proclaimed the birth of a son. Gabriel gave the child his name before he was born. We saw also in verses 26 through 38 that the angel explained the child's mission in life. We saw that the one who heard, namely Mary, the one who heard the announcement questioned the angel and was giving a confirming sign. Now, what was that? That was a quick summary of what you see there in verses 26 through 38. Now, I have a reason for this. Now, you need to listen to it again. Hear it again, okay? What did we see there? Listen to it again. Not just trying to drive you crazy. He was born to a godly woman who, apart from divine intervention, was unable to bear children. His birth was announced by an awesome angel. The angel said to not be afraid. He proclaimed the birth of a son. He gave the child his name before he was born. The angel explained the child's mission in life. The one who heard the announcement questioned the angel and was given a confirming sign. Why did I say those things twice? Because pretty much to a T, pretty much to a T, that's what happened with John the Baptist. So look very quickly with me. Look back at John the Baptist's birth foretold, foretold, Luke 1, it begins in verse 5. Aaron read verses 5 through 13. Look again at verse 12. All this goes together. The, the text is verses 1 through 38, okay? Verses 1 through 38. Verse 12. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him when he saw the angel. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid. Okay, that should sound familiar. Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. Look at verse 18. And Zechariah said to the angel, by the way, Zechariah's question was not as appropriate as Mary's. How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. By the way, God will always fulfill his purposes, but that doesn't mean there's no consequences if we disobey. God will always fulfill his purposes, but he will also lovingly judge his people. He will lovingly discipline his people when we don't believe his words. Be ready to obey the word of God this year. Be ready to know the word of God. Be ready to receive it. Be poised. Be poised to obey it. 
Verse 21, and the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. In case you didn't, didn't get it earlier, a few minutes ago, we just summarized those seven or eight things that were true of the Jesus story, which pretty much to a T, pretty much to a T, are the same things that happened with John, John the Baptist's. Which is to say, one thing, this is a little bit of the deeper end of the pool. One thing is to say that Jesus doesn't emerge out of nowhere. The Lord Jesus comes out of the context of Israel. The Lord Jesus comes out of the context. There's a lot of, there's a lot of similarity. There's a lot of continuity between the Old Testament and between Jesus. Jesus comes in light of the promises. Promises made, promises fulfilled. There's a lot of similarity there. But listen to this. Listen to what Riken says. Yet for all their similarities, did you know that this whole chapter ends up being a, a comparison between John and Jesus? 80 verses, I think. For all their similarities, what Luke mainly wants us to see are the differences. Like a white paint chip next to an off-white paint chip, the comparison is made to show the contrast. White paint chip, off-white paint chip. Comparison. There's a lot to compare. There's a clear difference. So who is greater, John or Jesus? John would prepare for God's coming, but when Jesus came, God was there in the flesh. He says, Luke argues from the lesser to the greater to give more glory to Jesus. Jesus was like John, but superior in every respect. The greatest of all time. Well, you say, that's, that's really easy. I mean, we all know, right? I mean, Jesus is the Son of God. He's the Savior. Of course he's greater than John. Do you not see the exact comparisons? Do you take for granted the fact that, that John was great? I mean, if, if you flip over just a second, you can do this if you want. You don't have to flip back much. It's the last two verses of the Old Testament. The last two verses of the Hebrew Bible. What do the last two verses of the Hebrew Bible, at least the way that we have them in our English Bibles, say? It's the last two verses of Malachi. And just listen, it says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. My friend, the great and awesome day of the Lord has come. We're on this side of the great and awesome day of the Lord. Do you know that? Do you know that Jesus is coming again, but the great and awesome day of the Lord has come? And he says here in the last two verses of our Old Testament, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. So we need to know that where it is not where it is not a comparison like LeBron and MJ, where it is a qualitatively different 
type of comparison, then absolutely we give honor to where honor is due, to the one who is supreme, Colossians 1.15, to the one who alone is God. In our puny comparison world, we have like compared to like. We have uh, LeBron compared to MJ, although there's a clear answer to that, right? We have, we, have, we, we have our clear opinions, and I know the answer to all these things. I'll tell you who's better, and I'll tell you who's better in music and all of these things. But ultimately, it's like compared to like. I say to you that not only in these two stories, 5 through 25, Luke 1, 5 through 25, the birth of John foretold, Luke 1, 26 through 38, the birth of Jesus foretold, there's so much similarity, which keeps going through chapter 1, and really into chapter 2. It just keeps going. John compared to Jesus. You know, one thing you don't want to do is to say that the person who made runner-up goat, the person who made runner-up goat, you don't want to say, well, that guy, he, he, he actually just doesn't know how to even play basketball. Or the music runner-up goat, well, that person, they, they actually, I could play better than them. That's ridiculous. You want to give honor. And so listen, what if, uh, what if some of these goats in our world spoke about each other? What if uh, Jack Nicholas and Tiger Woods had something to say about each other, which they do? And what if, what if LeBron and MJ had something to say about each other, which they do? And what if, uh, what if we could read the diary of Kubota and see what it really thinks about John Deere? I assume this is true. Apparently, Beethoven held nothing but the deepest admiration for Mozart. Both of the concertos he, that he played, which were not his own music, were Mozart's. Once, when compared to Mozart, he said, Do not rob Handel, Haydn, and Mozart of their laurel wreaths. They have earned theirs, but I am not yet entitled to one. You know, it's interesting when you think about the goat and the debates about goats, it's interesting to think about what would they say? What would they say about their competitor? In this same book, in Luke chapter 7, would you go there with me before we close here in a few minutes? Luke seven twenty four. When John's messengers had gone... Luke 7, 24, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. Oh, yeah. Here's a microphone, Jesus. What do you say about John? Because the, y- y'all's early lives and your pre- pre-lives were very eerily similar. Jesus, here's the mic. What do you say about John? Luke 7, 24, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind. What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing, behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and live in luxury are in king's courts. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it was written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Look at me. There was many great prophets in the Old Testament, like Elijah. You know who the greatest one, the greatest Old Testament prophet of all is? John the Baptist. You know who the greatest man in the Old Covenant is? 
The greatest man in the old covenant is John the Baptist. Remember what I said? Don't start disparaging the goat runner up. Don't say, well, because they're not the goat. I mean, you can still be pretty awesome, right? John the Baptist was great. He was the greatest man in the old covenant, the greatest prophet. Don't take my word for it. Look at Jesus. Luke 7, 28. I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. But what about us here today? What about us? Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Jesus comes on the heels of the promises of the Old Testament. He doesn't just come out of nowhere. He comes out of centuries of Israel's expectation for her Messiah. And yet there is newness and there is difference. There is the kingdom of God. There is the new covenant. There is this newness. When he talks about the kingdom of God in Luke 7, 28, he seems to clearly not be referring to the times of the Old Testament. He's talking about something new. And he says, listen, he says, you, he says, you through faith in Jesus Christ, you here today, my friend, by looking back to the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, by resting your hope on Christ, by repenting of your sins, you are greater than John the Baptist. And the only reason that doesn't mean much to you is because you don't know how great John the Baptist is. John the Baptist was great, and you are greater than John the Baptist because greater is the least in the kingdom than this great man. Why? Because of Jesus, because of his greatness, do you see? And so this is not a message to say at the second day of the new year, make sure that your self-esteem is ratcheted up. This is just like Mary. She was chosen. Mary did have a special role. We do have special roles, absolutely, but it's by the grace of God alone. Repent of your sins. Look to the cross. Look to Jesus. That's what Jesus had to say about John. And John had something to say about Jesus. And we've thought about the example of Mary. We thought about the example of Mary, but let me leave you with the example of John for this new year. You might know what I'm going to say, right? Some of you may be ahead of me. 2022, I must decrease and he must increase. He can't increase in your life if he's not there in the first place. Jesus Christ is Lord. And Psalm 2 says you must bow the knee to King Jesus. Kiss the son. He is coming again. And it will not be pretty for those who do not believe in him and repent of their sins. But John, in John chapter 3, hey, John, we went to Jesus, and he had some words to say about you. He said you were the greatest among even all the Old Testament prophets. Man, that's pretty cool. John, what do you say? What do you say about Jesus? John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. What do you have? You have extra money from stimulus money? You got kids? You got extra money each month, the last six months of the last year. What do you have? You have a house? You have cars? You have health this new year? You have some type of hope? You have something to look forward to? Do you have a job to go to? 
A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. Who is Jesus? He's the son of God. Who was John? He was a prophet of the most high. That's cool. Who are you? I pray that you're like Mary, slave of the most high. Let it be done to me according to your word. For nothing will be impossible with God. Let's pray. Father, we cannot afford to play games this new year. We dare not take the fellowship of the church lightly. We dare not take our own sin lightly this year. We dare not take the reality of Satan lightly. We dare not take the reality and the temptation of worldliness lightly. Oh God, the time is near even if you tarry, Lord Jesus, for many, many years. The new age has come. The kingdom of God. Lord, let us walk in your grace this new year. Let us run to Jesus. Lord, if it were a matter of comparing a mere man to a man, that would be one thing. But we thank you for the God-man even the greatest of all time. May we worship. May we worship, we pray in his name. Amen.